Welcome to your show. Or mine. I'm Becky Sandal, <laughs> Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Elizabeth Partridge, Library Services Manager for the Manatee County Public Library System. Oh, yay, Elizabeth. Yay. <laughs> Hi. A special reunion show. Yep. Across I'm so excited. Across the distance. Yeah, boy, it's a big distance, too. Yeah. How's it going out in Florida? It's good. It's good. It's different. It's a whole different world than what uh, I was used to in Washington, but it is, my job is pretty spectacular in what I get to be able to do, so I'm super excited about that. I will say that there are um, some different ways of doing things that I am um, learning and not necessarily approving of, but learning. So, Like cultural things? Yeah, exactly. Like um, cultural things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. I remember. And of course, you've lived in different places. I guess you never lived in Florida, but you lived in like the Midwest. Right. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I was 18 and I moved to Michigan, like I didn't have any idea that, the you know, like that things would be different. Like right. it's still America, yeah. right? It was exactly. like, Big culture shock. And part of that was that I didn't expect it at all. No one was yeah. ever like, places are different. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, and, and the difference, because I moved to Indiana and I lived there for seven years, and that was a huge culture shock. That was very different than any place I'd ever lived before. But then, you know, my whole life we moved around yeah. um, all the time. And so moving isn't the thing. Um, the difference now, I think, is... I never really had to deal directly with politics when I w moved to Indiana. And now here I have to deal directly with politics. And it is very different than where I came from. So, yeah. And you're in a county. Correct. County politics and then state politics and then, you know, state versus national politics, because as we all know, Florida is doing things differently than any other area. So it's hard to process everything because it, it is I, I don't want to say it's hard to process it, but you have to process it and then process it again mm -hmm. through a different lens because you process it the first time through the lens that, you know, and then you process it the second time through the lens of where you are and you're like okay how do I make these two things come together yeah and it's like just a particularly fraught time it is well and not just that but I will say that having come here during COVID mm -hmm. I don't even know where I live yet it's still one of those things that I know the library and I know my apartment and that's pretty and much it and the beach. I do go to the beach as often as I can. <laughs> I will not lie. But that's just it. You know, it's outside. It's it's not, you know, I don't, we've not been to a museum. We've not been to it. Uh, there's an aquarium right down the road from where I work. I haven't set foot inside of it. You know, all of those things that help you to understand where you are, we haven't been able to do. So it's made it very, very difficult to feel like we're actually here. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you, uh, we went to the zoo on Sunday, the Oregon Zoo. It was the mm-hmm. first time I've been like anywhere. Like we really, that wasn't like a park or like a nursery or like a feed store. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it was, it's outside still, and they've got it very organized. Everything's just, like, one way through the zoo, and a bunch of stuff isn't open. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely, like, more people than I've been around for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, here, there's people everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's people everywhere. And, and it's been that way since we got here. So, you know, coming from total lockdown in Washington mm-hmm. into, you know what? Masks are for suckers. <laughs> It was a, it was a, it was a, a point and pivot that yeah. you just, we just had to go fast. I mean, you know, of course we're still wearing our masks and we're, we're still following all kinds of safety protocols just to be conscientious. And mm-hmm. let's just say sometimes not everybody is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's not perfect here, of course. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us about your job. Okay. Uh, my job is I run the uh, Manatee County Library System, and there are seven branches, um, and we're building an eighth branch. Six of the branches are full-service libraries, differing in size. So we have five that are, um, well, four that are smaller neighborhood branches, and then we have one that is a 25 to 30,000 square feet location and then uh, the main central branch which is 50,000 square feet and um, the new one being built is 50,000 square feet as oh. well and it's kind of it's on the opposite side of the county so that you've got coverage on both mm-hmm. the east and west sides. The seventh branch is actually a literacy center that is specifically designed to help families and caregivers and kids two to five years old to be able to uh, identify any developmental delays, identify any areas that parents would like help with learning um, how to work with their kids, um, to let kids play to learn. And it's set up with stations that Mm -hmm. um, try to incorporate a lot of the developmental stages and a lot of free play, a lot of reading um, with your kids in little groups. And uh, we also house another organization in that branch that is called Hold Child Manatee, which is an organization that if we find a family that has needs, we can just refer them directly to them and they help them find the services to help them fill those needs. So it's a pretty cool spot. Yeah, that is very cool. Mm-hmm. Is like a lot of stuff there named really cute things like playing on the manatee? No. No? No. No. <laughs> Sorry. I was just wondering. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I don't even think anything's a cute name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Well, the- the child manatee thing, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. That is cute. Manatee's just a kind of a cute name. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that is true. And, and I will say that during the whole masking thing, there was a, a countywide masking campaign. Um, and it was mask up manatee and it was a, they made masks with little manatees on it to give out to people at the libraries in different locations. Cute. So that was cute. Was there like graphics of a manatee wearing a mask? Yes. Yeah. All over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's on that's on the masks. And there's a, a grown-up one, which is a black one. Oh, hold on. I have it. I'll show you. Not that anybody uh, is going to be able to see it, but you will. Aw, it's cute. <laughs> yeah, so. 
But anyway, um, so what we do is we serve the Manatee County population, which is just over 400,000 people. And it covers several cities within there. There is a, a big portion of the county that is rural agricultural. And so um, we have a very urban area and then a very rural area. So we have to accommodate some very distinct needs. What's your favorite thing? About my job or yeah. about... You know what? My favorite thing about my job is that I get to set strategic goals and then figure out how we're going to reach them. Oh, my gosh. It's thrilling. It's <laughs> thrilling. So I, I was given, I mean, because when I got there, it was already in COVID, mid-COVID, and the person who had my position previously had left a year before that. Oh, and wow. they had... They had an interim person okay. in there who was actually one of the branch managers. And they said, oh, in a couple of months, we'll have somebody. And then all heck broke loose and they couldn't get anybody. So 10 months later, here I come. So there's mm-hmm. nothing on the table. You know, there's it's open and I get to sit down, look at it and go, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what can we do? And so um, I have an amazing second. Her name is Tammy. She and I sat down and we talked about all of the possibilities, given our resources, given what we have coming up, what the priorities were for the community and what we already do with strength. And we just laid out, okay, here's where we're heading. And so now as we're hopefully coming out of COVID, we're starting to implement a bunch of those measures so that we can get to these goals. So, oh, my gosh. Oh, amazing. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. One of the things that I I implemented right away is a professional development group for our assistant supervisors. So we have supervisors at every branch and then each the central branch has departments. So we've got youth services, programming, information services, technical services and circulation. And each one of those is supposed to be kind of central location for all of those departments throughout the county, right? So it's like a, a hub, I guess. And so we, we, uh, each one of them has a second, has an assistant supervisor and the assistant supervisors, you know, over the years have contributed quite a bit, but haven't been given any tools to improve themselves. And so the first thing I did was establish a professional development program for them where they are being asked to take classes and produce work and do presentations all all um, on the pretense that eventually they will want to be supervisors mm-hmm. one day or they will be asked to do supervisory work and I want them to have the tools to be able and to be do ready. that. So exactly. So that's that's one of the first things we were able to just throw together. Throw together. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing, you know, it's it's interesting because for such a large system in an urban environment, there are things that they, they haven't done. So, and I think I told you about this a while ago, that when I first got here, one of the first um, big changes that I made was getting them to be a fine-free system. And so... Yeah, yeah. And so now um, we had to have it go through the county, be it voted on and be approved. And now it's part of policy that the county is a fine free system. And, you know, the counties around us had already gone to that. And for some reason oh. or another, the, this county hadn't. And so the other thing that I talked to you about not too long ago was the school ID. So we are this close to making that happen. And the legal 
hoops that we have to jump through because we have to go to the school board to have them vote on it and sign the, the agreement. Then we have to take that signed agreement to the county for them to vote on it and sign it again. And the process is long, you know, for something that should just be a given. It's long. Yeah. But um, it is right now in the school district's hands, and we're just waiting a signature for to take it to the county, and then it'll actually happen. Mm-hmm. But that will immediately make sure that 60,000 kids can use their school ID to access yeah. the resources on the library. Yeah, so. yeah. it's amazing. Um, so the Longview School District has mm, less than 7,000, so between six and 7,000 students. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, to just like immediately be like somebody came in the other day, some high school student, and he was talking about getting a card and he didn't have his parents with him and all of this stuff. And I was like, did you know? Yeah. <laughs> you have it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And that's it. That's amazing. And, and our biggest thing is we have, and you do too, but libraries in general have resources online that parents mm-hmm. can access to help their kids. Or kids can access to help their parents. Yeah. I mean, without ever coming to the library, because coming to the library can be the barrier to the mm-hmm. whole thing. It doesn't matter how close you are to a branch or whatever. If you can't get there, it's not going to change. You can't get there. You know, I'm so if the kids you to be able to like maybe a kid can get here. Exactly. But they can't get here with their parents. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and why, why continue to let the barrier be a problem. You just get it, get rid of it, get rid of it. So then um, once we get this through, we're going to be doing a huge marketing campaign over the summer so that when the kids are home and they're doing their thing, because in the fall, schools are going to be open for real and their kids are going to be back in classes and all of that. So they already are. Don't get me wrong. I live in Florida. They're already <laughs> wide open. <laughs> um, and masks are still required in the schools. Um, but, you know, like Axel, he's doing uh, virtual school. He's not in on campus. I, they're still getting um, positive cases on a regular basis through the schools. So, yeah. The mm-hmm. teachers here all are vaccinated, though, now. Yeah. Our teachers are, too, but the schools are still a hybrid. Our statewide case count gone up again so yeah they froze any any further movements for now but so axel's how old is he is he 13? 12 12 12 mm-hmm. okay so maybe they'll have a vaccine for his age by by the fall so that's exciting. yeah that's they were saying that pfizer might be available within the next two weeks for kids oh. his age yeah he is Going to Washington on the 1st of June, though, so he'll probably, if it's available to him there, he'll get his shot while he's there. Cool. Yeah. So both uh, he and Matilda will be there, so they'll come by and say hi. Good. That'll be good to see them. Um, Do you have any plans to visit? Not right now, um, but keep in mind, PLA is in Portland, and I am so going to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully that'll yeah. go off. Um, I don't know if you, you knew this, if I told you, but I'm on the Prince Committee this year. You did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so what they're planning for, they don't call it ALA Midwinter Midwinter anymore. They call it it's some, like, dorky thing with a hashtag. Um, <laughs> uh, of course it is. But it's in Texas <laughs> next year. Oh. In January. And oh. 
it's, I think they're planning it to be like a hybrid conference. So there'll be in-person stuff and, you know, not. Right. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to be going yet or if it'll be okay. required. Because typically it would be required to go. Sure. Um, as part of this committee work. But it sounds like I'll probably be in Texas in January. Ooh. So. Of 2022? 2022. Well, let me know because I will come see you. I won't go to midwinter, but I'll see you. <laughs> Just like a weekend in like, like San Antonio or something. Yeah. Let me know because that's, that's not very far from me at all. I mean, flying, nothing's very far from me at all, right? Yeah. That's the one thing that I am dying. I'm just absolutely at wit's end because I haven't been on a trip since January of yeah. last year. So That's a good trip, though. You got like a really it good was trip. A good trip. Yeah, that was a good trip. But um starving for more. So I keep verifying that my passport is valid, even though it hasn't changed since a month ago. <laughs> Just in case. That's right. That's right. So on Monday, I will hit my um, two weeks after my second vaccination. So mm-hmm. you know what? Sky's the limit after. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So how are things in Longview? Longview are good. We opened up again on February 22nd, and we've been able to expand our hours and days like a little bit since then. Because our part-timers came back. But then Angelique has taken another job. Oh. Um, So her last day is going to be Monday. Okay. Um, Oh, that's a bummer. After all that time. Mm -hmm. I understand, Mm -hmm. though. So we'll be hiring two new part-time staff this month, I hope. Cool. Because it's already kind of difficult to staff a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just open four hours on Saturdays right now. But if we can get staffed up with more part-time we might be able to open like in the morning on Saturdays. <laughs> right. Now that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're right now, as a matter of fact, at 4 p.m. Um, I have a system-wide meeting with all of the supervisors to discuss in-person programming. So, uh, ugh, my stomach rolls just a little bit thinking about it. But uh, you know, we are we are being super safe. We're being super smart about it. And we're taking advantage of meeting rooms and things like that where we can bring, like, a story time in and spread the kids out. Um, Would you be doing, like, like, I was thinking about that the other day about how we could do, because we'll be doing, like, in-person outside programs this summer. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was thinking at the fall, like, maybe we would require a sign-up so that there was, like, a limited number of kids. That's that's what we're doing. We're going to do a sign up for, for story time in particular, because that is something that the parents here are about to knock our walls down if we mm-hmm. don't give them something. So, um, we're going to do sign up for story time. And in order, you know, we're going to measure the need. We're going to measure the want, um, that the parents bring to us. And, uh, if we, have to limit how many people are in the story times. We'll just offer more of them throughout yeah. the week to accommodate those kids. So if you went once this week, you got to give another kid another chance to go um, and kind of work around it like that. But um, this population, we have just we have more old people mm-hmm. than we do young people here, and they want their craft classes. They want their stuff. They want their tech time. Mm -hmm. I mean, they want it. And so um, we're doing the same thing with them where it's like, okay, kids, we're going to spread you out too. Mm -hmm. 
but um, we're going to take advantage of the meeting rooms. Still not often meeting rooms to public meetings um, because we can't control the numbers. Uh, yeah. But, you know, use our meeting rooms to bring in the public for small established programs. And and that I mean, so we uh, on Monday, we essentially had to drop all of our posted safety precautions because of how the governor declared that they were now banned. Oh. Um, yeah. So it was immediate. So I was at lunch on Friday. I get a call from my assistant manager and, and she's like, Hey, you watching the news? And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. So it was instant. It was instant. It was to take effect immediately. And so we had to just kind of drop everything and figure out how we were going to be safe mm-hmm. about letting people into the building because we're open. We've been open since June of last year and um, we are currently at 60% capacity with normal hours. We're open, you know, most branches are open five days a week and then the center uh, central one is open six days a week. And we had to figure out, okay, what are our safety measures that we can actually mm-hmm. impose to keep staff safe? And keep people yeah. coming in safe. And so, you know, no masks are required anymore. Um, no social distancing oh. is required anymore. I mean, it just everything that was already established as a safety measure was banned um, last Friday. So we still ask our staff to wear their masks, mm-hmm. um, it, but it's a choice. They get to choose whether they're going to wear it or not. Um, and we can't enforce it because of that declaration. So um, the trick is, how do you recognize that there is still a pandemic in place and uh, satisfy the requirements of the local government and make sure that people coming in have no worries or fears of getting sick? So that's where we are right now. And, and we are uh, meeting this afternoon to talk about Well, exactly. How do you do that? How do you make sure that the people coming in feel safe about coming in and we feel good about offering them the safest option? So so and I think we're going to be fine. I think, you know, the whole concept of just bringing in small groups and making sure that the staff that's doing the programming is vaccinated and comfortable. You know, I think that's the best way to go. And the staff doing the program feels comfortable with what we're asking them to do. So, yeah. so far, everybody seems on board. Now yeah, it's, it's a matter of balance. It is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I mean, everybody has them, and I'm sure you've seen them there, too. The very vocal people who think that taking time to take those measures is dumb. That's the other thing is that we want to make sure that any staff is not being abused by any yeah. of the public for doing their job. So, right. yeah. Anyway, it's it's all fun and games, right? <laughs> easy peasy. Yeah, that's right. It's fantastic, though. I mean, the whole library community here is so supportive of the library and what they get from the library that it is, I mean, it really is invigorating to just say, okay, we're going to head in this direction, and then you've got this posse of people behind you saying, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're going there. So, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. cool. So the other thing we were going to talk today about was uh, some audiobooks. You've got like a whole year's worth of audiobooks to recap. 
Right. Hey, you know, and the thing is that I'm just going to say this. Thank goodness for audiobooks because otherwise I wouldn't have read it all. It's hard. I, mean, I had um, one book that I read last year, and it was called Learning from the Germans. It's this nonfiction title about the subtitles like race and the memory of evil. And so it kind of it talks about Germany after the war and the things that they did to like repair their country. And uh-huh. what the United States could learn from that, like in a you know, post-Jim Crow type of situation. So uh-huh. um, it was a really interesting book. And I really, like, I got a lot out of it. I liked it a lot. I listened to that off and on for, like, eight months. Like, wow. I would listen to it a little bit, and then it would expire. In the, it was listening on Libby. And then uh-huh. I'd, like, put it on hold again, and then it would come, and I'd listen some yeah. more. But it was like, could it, you know, I mean, I guess maybe part of it's like I'm not going anywhere. So like normally yeah. I would listen like in the car if I was going places, but all my trips have been like real close to home. Uh-huh. And um, so <laughs> it makes it hard to listen in your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And I got like a new car last July, you know, and I wanted to get one because I was going to go. I mean, obviously when I bought it, I knew I wasn't doing this. Right. <laughs> I was going to go on a road trip. But this summer, I'm going to do it, so that'll be good. Um, well, that'll be good. That will be yeah. good. So Make that, was, that minivan work. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the audiobooks that I listened to. But, yeah, even listening was kind of difficult. I'm getting yeah. more in, like, a reading mode the last couple yeah. months. So one of the things I've been taking advantage of is um, listening to Spanish books. Um, oh, okay. Because obviously you want to always do that when you have the opportunity. But so every other book, it seems I'll pick up a Spanish version and I still use Hoopla um, for a lot of the, the Spanish language ones. They, they're, they do really well in making sure those are available. But, um, and you know me, I read the leadership books all the time. <laughs> so, so when you listen to regular audiobooks, I know you'll listen at a higher speed. Regular, I, I do. English language. All, do you listen to the them. Spanish language ones? Yes. High speed too? Yes, I oh, do. Gosh. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and it's, here's how sad and pitiful I am. So I listened to, I was listening to the English ones at 1.5. Mm. And um, over the course of the last few months, I've uh, bumped it up to 1.75 or wow. 2.0. I mean, it's ridiculous because you, you think that would imply I don't have the time. <laughs> But it's I just don't have the patience. That's all it is. And so the Spanish ones, I keep those at 1.5 because, you know, who am I kidding? Um, I got to keep up with those. <laughs> yeah. But um, one of the, do you remember Radical Candor? You remember when I did that mm-hmm. one? Yeah. So something very fun and awesome is happening. Radical Candor, and you remember me saying it was one of my favorite leadership books about how to um, talk about performance with staff, mm-hmm. talking about how to reach your goals and how to communicate with your staff about reaching goals and performance in a way that is can you're using a lot of straightforward language without um, pandering, you know, without, I guess, you know, looking for an easy way out, you're being direct, but you're not being a jerk. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think the subtitle is, uh, being, being a kick-ass boss without using your, losing your humanity. Right. So, uh, I love that book. I love a lot of the ways, I mean, but let's just be frank. That's my personality in a nutshell. So that works for me, uh-huh. but 
I like it because it helps people find language to say the things they need to say without feeling like they're going to hurt feelings, mm-hmm. right? Um, because the only way to get to a point where you are reaching your goals or you are uh, satisfying expectations is to actually communicate about it. And if you beat around the bush about it, yeah. you're never going to feel like you've reached your goals or that you're um, reaching or exceeding expectations. And so I think it's all about feeling good about doing your job and knowing you're doing well. So anyway, there's another synopsis of radical cancer. So, so they, the HR department here has decided to bring in some professional trainers to help. Uh, they just switched over to a new EPE system. So um, employee performance evaluation system. And so all of the supervisors have to be retrained on this new evaluation tool. And so they hired this um, company to come in and do some retraining for this new tool. And the new tool has been streamlined. So it's very uh, it's a lot less subjective work. And it very specifically helps the supervisors state a goal that has a measurement. So all the goals have to be smart goals, et cetera, mm-hmm. and then teaches them how to actually measure those goals that they've set um, and then how to communicate that measurement to your staff person so that it's all so it's just nice and clean. You know, it doesn't need flowers for it to be OK. So <laughs> so they are bringing uh, in these trainers and all supervisors have a mandatory training. And the book that they use oh. is Radical Candor. So I bought one for all of the staff um, mm-hmm. as professional development. And so um, all of the staff is now reading Radical Candor to figure out how to, you know, improve their communication skills to be able to directly and efficiently express the goals and expectations for their staff. So I'm so excited. <laughs> Cool. I thought you were going to tell me like that the author of that book is doing your training or something. I wish. (laughs) I don't think they have that kind of cash. (laughs) Yeah. So, but that's exciting. But that's, you know, that's, that's not an audio book. I actually read that book. And, and, um, the reason that we purchased one of those books for our staff was so that they could keep it and write notes and, um, you know, abuse it any way they saw fit to keep it with them for guidance for when this rolls out. So that's that's just in the, the leadership line. So the audiobooks that I've been listening to, <laughs> some of them are leadership, and then some of them are just I need to not think about things right now. Yeah. Uh, and so I just finished. So I've been using my Libro FM mm-hmm. a lot. So Carl Hyacin has a new one called Squeeze Me. Have you seen yeah. that one? Uh-huh. Did you read it? Did you? No. No. Okay. So it's, it's hilarious. Well, and now that you live in Florida, you're going to get exactly. really into Carl Hyacinth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll get really into it, but it was very funny to read this book and be like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is where I live. <laughs> Actually, the the story takes place on the east side, uh, which, you know, where I'm on the west side. So it's not quite the same. It's the same. It's the same. I also read some uh, science fiction. Now, did I tell you I read Devolution, that um, Max Brooks story? No. Uh-uh. 
So that one's also on the Libro FM. That one is a Bigfoot story. Mm. And um, at the right after I moved here, one of my cousins was very interested in starting a book club. And unfortunately, my siblings and I failed her completely. But <laughs> because we sucked at, you know, being in a book club. <laughs> It's hard when you have, you know, two people on the East Coast and then the rest of them on the West Coast. It's hard to, to find an equal time. And then yeah. COVID and then nobody wants to read. And, you know, so it, it was hard. But we did read Devolution and um, had our own little book discussion about it. And it's very funny because it takes place around Mount, Na- Mount Rainier and it involves, you know, that uh, green culture Mm-hmm. That it's very, very prominent in the Seattle area specifically <laughs> and techie, techie stuff. Yeah. yeah. I saw an um, ad for like a new documentary. I think it's on a Hulu about Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. And like, I think it's around, around Northern California. It's kind of where they do it. Uh huh. I was huh. like, I'm going to watch them. Have you seen? There you go. No, I haven't. Uh-uh. Well, I mean, there is something called the Swamp Ape. Uh huh. And, you know, when I drive by, so it's in the Everglades and when you, there's a swamp ape place that you can go. (laughs) And I swear that the poster that they have up looks exactly like Bigfoot. So I don't know who they think they're fooling. (laughs) Yeah, I read a kid's book called, oh gosh, True Blue Scouts of Some Swamp. Anyways, and it it's about like raccoons and stuff, but it features swamp ape too, and it's oh, in like uh, like Louisiana maybe. Oh yeah, swamps there too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I thought that was kind of funny that um, I had never ever heard of a swamp ape before, and mm-hmm. um, one of the it's one of the people that Bigfoot swamp cousin. Exactly, it's like the Yeti. Uh-huh. That's Bigfoot up in the north. <laughs> Yeah. So, but it's, it, uh, it's definitely an interesting story. And that book group, that discussion went really well. We had a good time, but then we petered out and we weren't any good at it anymore. And to the point where we, we, they, uh, my siblings were like, well, let's just do this. And we couldn't even make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for my cousin, if she's listening, I apologize. I just finished the book called The Bone Maker that was on, I think it was in the April group of books. Um, it's by Sarah Beth Durst. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a fantasy. I've read, um, what did I read of her? Something that I really liked once. Yeah, it was good. I will say it was good. I think that, I think there was some romance. It was a lot romance, mm-hmm. um, but there was enough other stuff going on to keep me in the book. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And oh, my gosh, the last one I read was that Squeeze Me by Carl Hyacin. And that was that was hilarious. I mean, there are such exaggerated things in there that aren't even exaggerations that many times <laughs> I would just be listening and shaking my head. <laughs> oh, and then reminding myself, you live here now. You live here. Remember that. You live here now. I yeah. what have I read of his? I've read one of his adult books and his kids' books, like mm-hmm. Hoot and and not all of his kids' books, but a couple of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he does a kind of the setting and a humor 
really good, but also with a mystery. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you know what I have enjoyed about the um, the audiobooks is, and I think we were going to talk about this too. What's good and what's bad about audiobooks? Mm-hmm. The thing I have enjoyed about the audiobooks is different different accents, different uh, dialects, different sounds, different uh, language use that each of the narrators brings. And I think that we've said this before, that if you have a really good reader, it's amazing. The book is amazing and it and it keeps you it keeps you uh, engaged, even if the story might not be mm-hmm. as engaging as you'd like. You're in it with that reader. You're in it and you're going to end it. But if it's a bad reader or a reader that just doesn't jive with what you like, you're not going to stay with it. You're yeah. just going to let it go. Yeah. I remember reading once. I can't remember what it was. And I barely started it. But the narrator was like an English woman. And she had like the most soothing kind of like what I think of like an English nanny voice. Uh-huh. And I was like falling asleep listening to her. <laughs> I was like, this is like a bedtime story. (laughs) It is for you anyway. (laughs) Um, Oh, you know what I did just finish? And let me just talk about this for one second. All right. All right. So on my Libby account, Mm -hmm. I when I was still there, I put Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers on hold. Yeah. I read Talking to Strangers, I think, on Libro FM. So I don't know, but I um, had to wait six months to get it. So I just got it and I listened to it and I thought it was I thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned it to this audience, but I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it to you. Blink and Tipping Point were two of my favorite books. I liked those quite a bit. And um, I didn't like the dog so much, you know, Daniel and Goliath. Yeah, okay. Outliers. But this one, um, it was interesting because I think it's a very good way to talk about how chaos can ensue when assumptions are made. In in conversation. And, you know, the whole pretense of this one was having violent occurrences happen because of how people have treated each other. And it just as strangers talking to each other, not understanding that somebody might perceive something differently because of where they come from. And then it escalates into a conflict and then that conflict escalates into danger. So. It was an interesting, an interesting book. I liked it. Yeah, I've listened to, I think all of Malcolm Gladwell's books as audiobooks, and he reads them all himself. Mm-hmm. And that if he has a podcast, too, which I have not listened to. He, yeah, he's got that. Yeah. Um, but I like his voice, and I think he's a yeah. really good reader. It, it kind of makes me think of, like, being in a class or something. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. Like, well, uh, which, which makes sense, because mm-hmm. he teaches classes. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got this, like, Canadian professor vibe. Um, talking to strangers was not my favorite of his. I felt like yeah. to me, there were certain sections I thought were better than others or more mm-hmm. interesting. Like I liked probably my favorite was the one where he was talking about the spies. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, but some of the things that he was talking about where I, I was like, I don't think you can like say that this thing, like a violent rape, is the result of like a miscommunication? Um, well, I think that it can be, I wouldn't say, you know, like it's, it's something as simple as a communication, but okay. I can 
I can see it being the person who committed that crime committed it because they are lacking certain things, you know, and so it isn't necessarily communication, but it's understanding uh, connection and responsibility and right from wrong and all those things. And so that's a miscommunication from a societal perspective that this person doesn't have the mm-hmm. tools that they need to understand that that's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can, I mean, I can make a stretch for that. I can make a, a big stretch because, you know, I mean, it's wrong. It's just plain mm-hmm. up wrong. And um, being able to communicate away why it's wrong and thinking that that's okay is definitely a communication problem. Yeah. Yeah. There's just things in the book where I was like, where he's like trying to, I don't know, tie these different kinds of things together in his overall thesis of the book mm-hmm. where I'm like, I don't think those things are really the same. <laughs> no, no. And I can understand that, but I do, I do get the premise underneath everything mm-hmm. that it's, it's misunderstandings of, of, society that caused these things and how do you get from where we are where two things can come together and can conflict so strongly or greatly to a part where people can come together not knowing anything about each other and not assume bad things could happen i mean you know so there's definitely i don't know if communication is the right way but it's definitely a connection problem Mm -hmm. So and when you talk to strangers, I like the whole idea. I like everything about the idea of not making assumptions about people you just meet, you know. Yeah. You know? I mean, but then, you know, we're teaching all of our kids stranger danger and all of these things, which yeah. don't get me wrong, I <laughs> have taught my kids the same thing. Yeah. But but why is it that everything why does everything have to be so scary and mm-hmm. so I mean, it's it's hard. You know, you want you want everything in the world to be sparkly and fun yeah. and good, and it's just not. And so, how do you weigh those two realities? It's hard. Yeah. But if you go in, sorry, if you go in, like he was saying, and you make the assumption that it's always going to be bad, well, then it will always be bad. Yeah, but I think that's kind of like easier to say when you are in the in a position of power. True. Right. It's easier yeah, absolutely. to be like, we shouldn't assume bad things are going to happen if you're the one that's like more powerful in society or in your work mm-hmm. or an adult versus a child or like physically stronger. Well, that's what I think. That's what I think. Um, like the cops um, uh-huh. that he, he talked about in story, it was in their power to make the assumption that it wasn't going to be bad, but they escalated it very, very quickly. So mm-hmm. and. Obviously, I'm not uh, uh, law enforcement, and so I don't live in that space. But, you know, there are many, 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 many law enforcement officers who don't do that, mm-hmm. you know, who don't just automatically assume bad things are going to happen and who do walk into a situation with optimism, I guess. <laughs> you know, so how do you find how do you find that common ground for all of them? You know, I mean, and that's not to take away from the fact that there are dangerous situations, um, but not all of them are and nor do they have to be. So and on the flip side, he also talks about in that book situations where like people did assume things or assumed the best and they weren't. Like he yeah. talks about those like the coaches at Penn State yeah. who. Yeah, that was all those young people. Oh, boys, um, yeah. And so part of that story is like and. 
in, you know, in a less damaging way when he talks about the spies, the way that you think that you can think that you know somebody um, and you don't. Right. So right. it's kind of like, I guess it's interesting in the way that, that he talks about both of those kinds of things mm-hmm. where like you think a situation is going to go away mm-hmm. a certain way and that, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and that's that whole thing he talked about with the defaulting to truth, you know, where human nature is you assume they're telling you the truth, even when evidence points otherwise. So, you know, I guess it's 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 one thing to want the best, hope for the best, be optimistic. But it's another thing to disregard what you see because you don't want it to be the truth. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a whole that's, you know, let's just solve all of humanity's problems. Right. Right. (laughs) Because when you get right down to it, that's the problem is we don't know how to relate to each other and we don't know how we we don't know how we're supposed to be with each other. So that's a communication issue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a it is an interesting book. It's really like thought provoking and like, I think, good for discussions and stuff, too. I will say also about the audiobook. And I was kind of like annoyed at the beginning because Malcolm Gladwell acts like he's like the first person ever to do this and he's not, but he uses <laughs> like a lot of um, like primary source audio in the audiobook. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he plays yeah. like recordings of things and it, it can be really, really difficult to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he's talking and he's talking about really serious things like murder yeah. and rape and child abuse in big chunks of the book. Right. Um, and so I think in some ways that makes the audio more difficult to listen to than if yeah. you were listening, reading just the book. Yeah, I think so too. I, well, and, and, um, you know, obviously it reminds you that this isn't just a book, you know, mm-hmm. these are yeah. real things that yeah. really happen every single day. And that's the part that's the hardest is re- remembering that this isn't all theoretical. This is, yeah. this is, these are things that happened, not stuff that could have happened. And so it's it's uh, it definitely makes you think, you know, if nothing else, it's a good book to 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 provoke some thoughtful consideration of how we deal with each other. So, yeah. So that was the last one. So, so I actually I'm listening to two things right now. Um, so I'm listening to Call Down the Hawk which is by Maggie Stiefvater and it's like this kind of like a spinoff series from the Raven cycles, the Raven voice series, which I love so much. Right. right. And this book came out last year, last year. No, maybe it was the year before. And her second book in the series is coming out this month. Um, so I was like, Oh, and it came up on Libro FM. So I yes. downloaded it. I texted you. I know. <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, <laughs> and I was so excited because I've listened to the audiobook for the Raven Boys at least three times, and I love it so much. Sometimes where I'm like, oh, I should find something to listen to. I'm like this kind of a person, though. I'm like, well, I'll just rewatch the same stuff I like. Yeah, I want to try. I do that new. too. I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just play the Raven Boys again, though. Um, but it's read by Will Patton and he does such a good job. And I was so excited that he was going to keep doing the spinoff series. Right. Um, so all of like the character voices that he does are the same. And, um, it just really like feels 
good. Like, you know, like watching a show that you like, that you've seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's comforting. Yeah. yeah. That's, and good. He's, That's good. He's got a really good, like, kind of atmospheric quality to his voice. Mm-hmm. And he does. Um, the books take place in, like, rural Virginia, mostly. And so he can do that accent very well. And his, like, women voices are kind of like, you know, whatever. Um, but it's funny there's in this book there's new characters and one of them is like a young british woman so she's got an english accent and he doesn't do it quite like i might assume people would but he does it in the same way kind of he does this old man uh, this old, like, British professor in the first series. So I'm like, oh, I, I can recognize that that's, like, his version of an English accent. But he's trying to do it as, like, not, like, a professor in his 70s, but, like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, like a 20-year-old woman. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, but it is good. I like it a lot. And I I haven't read anything else that he's done. And I think you have. He does a lot of Stephen King mm-hmm. books. And I'm almost, yeah, I like... Can't remember. I remember we talked about it yeah. one of the times before. So I'm almost like afraid to listen to something else he's done because like I connect his voice so strongly with this particular series. Yeah. Um, I will say I did like the woman that was reading the, the, the bone maker, mm-hmm. um, uh, her voice. I'm going to have to go look her up because her voice sounded like a book I had read, uh, or listened to a while ago. And I remember liking her voice. I just don't remember what book it was. So I'm going to look her up and see if I can track down which book that was. It's funny. A friend of mine is on an audiobook award committee this year. And so she's just like constantly listening to audiobooks. And she's saying that like doing that, you just realize how few people there are that mm-hmm. read, especially YA young adult audiobooks. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Another book read by this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After a while, you're just like, I'm tired of this guy. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't like one of them, you still have to listen to them for hours and hours and hours. It's required yeah. to listen to all of these books. Yeah. Um, that's not good. <laughs> you know me and listening to stuff I don't want to listen to. That's yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Probably don't be on like a book jury where you have yeah, exactly. to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a bad <laughs> call for me. <laughs> I'll stay where I am. <laughs> and then the other one I'm listening to, and this isn't like an audio book, but it's it came up. It's by Nick Offerman, and it's called All Rise. Okay. And so it's, I think, only released as an audio production. It's not like a book. It's essentially like stand-up comedy. But it's oh. like not, yeah. So, and it's very like political. I think if you strongly disagree with Nick Offerman's politics, you probably won't enjoy listening to it. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, you like kind of risk on things in our current like political climate and culture, and then he plays songs that he's written, and it's pretty funny. Got you know like Nick Offerman making so much noise. I'm sorry. I didn't. I can't hear my noise. I can only hear you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll stop. Oh, um, and then I threw it on the ground. <laughs> but it is pretty delightful. Like I like Nick Offerman. He's real. Like 
you know, dry, kind of sarcastic that he takes on these different like personas in order to like tell a joke. And uh-huh. he, music that he plays is funny and but it's like also recorded so he does like an introduction where it's just like uh-huh. him in the studio. And then the chapters are like recordings of him doing like stand up performance like in a barn last okay. year sometime. So there's like audience sound too. So that's that's what it is. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah, it says it's a, an original audio production. It's only an hour and 45 minutes long. You know, did I tell you, I think I, I we did one of these before I left, but the, one of my favorite ones was, oh, yeah, we did, because we did the play, remember? The, mm-hmm. on, so my favorite one was um, Ernest. What was the Ernest? The Importance of Being Ernest. Thank you. Yes, as a play production mm-hmm. with multiple narration, you know, oh, my gosh, and it was like an hour and a half or something like that. Yeah, it was the yeah. best. It was the best. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, those are fun. So you get like, I didn't listen to this one, but he did with a whole bunch of people, Lincoln and the Bardo. Okay. Which I read that as like a book book, but the audio oh. production they did. And I remember seeing it and thinking like, oh, I'll listen to that. And I never did. But is like a multicast, and Nick Offerman does it, and like a bunch of other recognizable actors. Did yeah, you read that I like one? those. Ones. No, Mm-mm. it's it's like a story about all of like the ghosts at oh. the cemetery where Lincoln's son was like interred after he died, and Lincoln would go. I don't know if this is real. In the book, he goes and lets him out of the. What are those things called? Uh, um, I don't know what that's called. <laughs> well, he would go there and like pull his son out and like mourn and grieve, you know, at night. And then, um, like all of the ghosts of all the people buried in the cemetery are like the cast of characters. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I like. The concept, and I might go look it up. I keep requesting all these books and then not listening to them. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I love Libro FM just because of the multitude of books that they make mm-hmm. available for us. But my library is vast, and the number I've actually listened to is not. And so I feel a little bit of guilt, but I figure, you know what, I will get there. One of these yeah. days, I will get there. Well, and it's nice to kind of like sample things. I talked about this um, already on the podcast with Jacob last, then the summer last year. Did you listen to that one? Where I talked about the Jim Carrey's novel. I don't remember if I listened to it or not. Memoirs and Misinformation, and I'd read it as an audiobook, and it's read by Jeff Daniels. Oh, okay. Man, that was a weird book. I bet. That sounds like a powerhouse of performers, too. <laughs> well, he does a good job, and it's funny because so, like, the book is Jim Carrey is the main character in the book, but it's like a science fiction-y type of book, kind of apocalyptic. It's really bizarre. But Jeff Daniels is a narration, and and there are, like, also, like, so Jim Carrey's in the book, obviously, but also, like, a lot of other recognizably famous people. And uh-huh. so when Jeff Daniels is reading it, he, like, does them. Oh, funny. <laughs> impressions of them, and he's pretty right. good at it. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good use of his talent. Yeah. Well, I know he's mostly been doing, it's funny because, like, to me, Jeff Daniels is always going to be, like, from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. But I know he's, like, a serious actor, and he's been playing, like, Atticus Finch, like, on Broadway Uh (laughs) for a couple of years. What else has he been in besides Dumb and Dumber? That's sad. I can't think of anything. Um, he was in The Martian. (laughs) 
Oh, that's right. That's what it was. That's right. He's in The Martian. He's in Steve Jobs. He's in that show, The Newsroom. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the famous one from a long time ago. All right. Well, I hate to wrap this up, but I have to start getting ready to go back. So. Yeah, you, are you, um, you're going back to work? Or are you internet meeting? Um, I'm going back to work. I have two job interviews, a check-in with one of my staff members, and a programming meeting all in the next three and a half hours. That is a busy afternoon. Yep. It's all fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for coming back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll yeah. have to do it again. I love it. I told Maybe. my staff that yeah. we're doing a podcast, so we need to, uh, as soon as they, because they bought all of the equipment. So one of the things that I got really lucky, right after I got here, one of the community foundations came up to me and said, what what could we fund for you? And I said, I need more hotspots to check out to the community. And I need video equipment for community members to be able to come in and record their things that they want to put on YouTube and whatever. And I need a sound booth. And they said, okay, here's your check. And I said, yay. (laughs) So I got money to buy, I think I bought 44 hotspots and two Complete video setups. I, I had Daniel, Daniel send me his, uh, the stuff that he bought so that I'd know what stuff. And so they bought two sets of that. And then, uh, we two sets of podcasting equipment so that we can not only do our own internal podcasts, but also teach other people how to do their own podcasts there in the library. So, woohoo! That's all. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, we've got so, a podcast kit. From our foundation also, but we're still recording remotely, <laughs> so we haven't gotten to use it yet. But I had this yeah. idea the other day. So the server room, the old server room back in the staff room, isn't used as a server room anymore because we're all in the cloud mm-hmm. um, mostly. And so we are going to repurpose that room to be like for all of the tech storage and stuff, all our all mm-hmm. of our stuff. And I mm-hmm. was like, there's probably enough room in there also. That we could have a little soundboard set up. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. You could even use that space to edit your stuff after it's done. Make it happen, Becky. Make it happen. (laughs) Cool. Um, Well, I'm excited. Yeah. So maybe next time you come on, we'll read a book about Florida. Holy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's do that. Okay. I will say that um, it's been interesting learning about the the geography of Florida. And I will tell you where I am, everything is flat. So after a while, you kind of just, everything looks the same. (laughs) So we need to get trips in so that we can see a a variety of landscapes. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's been fun, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So thanks for coming on. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Your Shelf. Or mine. (laughs) I'm Becky. I'm Elizabeth. Bye. Bye. Support for Your Shelf or Mine comes from the friends of the Longview Public Library, the Longview Library Foundation, and listeners like you. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McKeldery from A Song for You. Find Megan online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery.
Whoa, what was that? <laughs>